I, I'm just thrilled. We are thrilled to be here. That this, uh, we get to participate in what God is doing at this place and um, join in the, the, the destiny and the dreams that God has for us. I'm going to share a little bit of my story this morning, but over the last few weeks I've been thinking about some of these things as Greg has been teaching us about the Holy Spirit from Luke and teaching us about the Trinity and this participation in the God dance. The, what does it look like to participate in this God dance? And he, ta- he taught us a few weeks ago about yielding to the Holy Spirit and how we are to come under the Holy Spirit's leadership and authority and submit to Him. And then he talked to us about participation in this God dance. You know, the, there's this Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, the Father dance that's going on in heaven and we get to participate in this as He draws us up into His life. And then last week we heard how we are to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can be overflowing with the life of God. And I've been asking myself the question, as Greg has been teaching us, what exactly does my response look like as I participate in this? How will I know if I'm participating in the God dance? How will I move into this divine movement and enter into this God stuff? As I've been thinking about it, I I read a little bit further in Luke, in the next section of Luke, and saw how Mary responded to God. And I think we get a clue, a little bit of a clue, as to what it looks like to participate in the God dance. So if you will turn and look at Luke 1, 46 through 55, we can learn about this adventure, what I call the adventure into the God dance. And Mary says there, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. What does it look like to respond to God and enter into this God dance? Mary understood this. It looked like worship for her. Let's pray right now. Who will join me in praying that the Lord will speak to us this morning? Good. Let's pray together. Jesus, we ask you to speak to our hearts and reveal your truth. Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill us this morning that we might understand what you're doing in our lives, that we might participate in you all the more, that we can be the people, the church, that is about your kingdom stuff and be a different kind of people than what is the norm. God, we give you glory and thank you already for what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A few months ago, God started doing some stuff in my life. And it was some unexpected stuff. And I'm going to share about that in a minute. But in the midst of this unexpected stuff, I I turned to this, I I, I, uh, picked up a book 
off my shelf that I, it was one of my favorite novels, and it's the prequel to uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's called The Hobbit. Now, the ho a hobbit is a short little individual with hairy feet and leathery soles, so they don't wear shoes. And they're unusual people. It's, 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 it's make-believe, of course. These people don't actually exist. Uh, but hobbits were unique individuals, and they were the, there was a hobbit in this story by the name of Bilbo Baggins, who was the hero of this story. And in the beginning of this story, it talks about his nature and his character, and I really identified with this statement that I'm about to read in the situation I found myself. It said here about this hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, this hobbit was a well-to-do hobbit. Now, I didn't identify with that part. Uh, and his name was Baggins. The Baggins have lived in the neighborhood of the hill for time out of mind. That means a very long time. And people considered them very respectable. And not only because they were rich, but also because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. You could tell what a Baggins would say on any question without the bother of asking him. And as I read that, and I just felt something within my heart just come to warm in my life, and I felt the Spirit begin to remind me and just say, you know what, you've gotten comfortable, and I'm taking you on an adventure. Now, I didn't hear this out loud. It was just something I sensed in my heart. And I was like, but God, you know, I was found myself in a situation where I had resigned from a, a, a job as an associate pastor because the job wasn't working like I expected it to and it wasn't just we, as much as we worked on it and the more we worked on it the, the less it seemed to work and as I prayed about what I was to do I felt the leading of God just to resign and in this time of joblessness I read this and I was trying to find God in the midst of this and saying God where are you and he said I just felt him just saying you're on an adventure I'm like, well, can you tell me how this adventure ends? I'd like to read the last page, and he, and it, but that's not how an adventure works. Adventures are by the nature venturesome and dangerous, and there are no guarantees. Well, that was comforting. You know, because I have grown up in a culture that tells that has told me that the way to live life is to avoid adventures at all costs that we are to or that I am to control life to make something happen that I want it to happen so that I can predict the outcome that's how we're taught to live life think about it most of us have day timers or we do it on the computer outlook or whatever you use you control life and control your schedule. I've got meetings from here to here. Who cares if the relationship really starts clicking? I've got another meeting to get to. Then we have maps. Not only do we have maps that will get us somewhere, we now have cars that will pinpoint exactly where you are so you're never lost. You don't have to worry about being lost anymore. You can control everywhere you go. It will eat, Some cars, some of you have them. We'll tell you when to turn. We don't even have to think. Computers can, will control our lives for us. Then there are strategies. We're taught strategic thinking, how we can make money 
and organize our lives so that we can get the most out of life for as little cost as possible. Go to business school, that's exactly what they teach us. Then we, not only that, it goes into the personal lives. Through, we, we, there are consultants who will charge you $5,000 a day to help you discover your life plan. They'll do it. And you can strategize how you're going to get from point A to point B to point C to get your ultimate goal done. We can have control over your life. And then, of course, we are told in our society with Internet and Google and all the other stuff that information is the key to control. The more information you own, the more control over life you will have. Now, there's nothing wrong with all this stuff that we use. I mean, I use Outlook on my computer, and, you know, I have meetings, and some of the, we use maps to get places. Why is it we need these things in some ways? Because our world is pretty chaotic. Ask the people that live in New Orleans how chaotic life is. Ask the people who are going through struggles or just had a car accident this morning how chaotic life is. We, our, our world is so unpredictable. There are so many things that come at us and bombard us every day that we have to have some sense of order in, in our lives. But the problem is that we turn this order into our relationship, this control, this desire to control everything and, and import that into our relationship with God who cannot be controlled. And that's what I was doing. I, was, I had my plan all, all planned out. We bought a new house. We, we, we were close to grandparents. We, I, I assumed this position as the associate pastor, and I had my plan and thought, this is what's going to happen next, and this will happen in a few years, and probably that will happen in a few years. And in the midst of this, things weren't working. I was trying to play it safe, stay off the adventure. I wanted guarantees. I wanted order. I wanted control. And that's what I imported into my relationship with God. But I found that our relationship with God is a little bit more like going to your first dance at junior high. You remember when you went to the fir your first dance and you're sitting there and if you're the girl, you're sitting there on the side going... Is somebody going to ask me, and will he be cute? And then if I get out on the floor and he's cute, will I step on his toes? And you, and you, talk, you almost talk yourself out of even being there. Because you're like, oh my gosh, can I do this dance thing? And then if you're the guy, you know, if, if you're probably standing up against the wall. Looking around, and if you're like me, it's kind of like, do I ask her, do I not ask her? Especially if you can't dance very well. Uh, me kind of like, do I want to risk this? I just learned how. Do I do this? Do I, can I ask her? And by the time I finally do ask her, it's the last song and somebody stepped, and she had already promised that dance to someone. Our relationship with God is much more like a dance. And if you're honest with yourself, you might understand God, the ins and outs of God and how He works and give us all of the Bible answers in the world. Explain to us the intricacies of the, of the Trinity. But if you don't enter into the Trinity, if you don't participate with God, if you don't get up out of your seat and dance with Him, what good is it? 
If you don't do like Mary and say, I'm going to worship you, God. I'm going to enter into this dance with you and enter into this life with you and get out of my seat, get off the wall and risk it. The information is just there in our heads. We have to learn to dance. How do we learn this dance? Mary points a way for us in this song that she sang to her Lord. And the first thing I want to point out is the invitation from this song. If you look at verse 48, it says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. God extends his hands to you and me. Worship starts with God. Worship starts because God comes and invites us into his life. We don't have to stir this worship stuff up. I, you know, sometimes I've gotten trapped into the thought that God doesn't love me enough. So I have to come to Him and make Him approving of me. So therefore, I worship all the more. So if you want to get something out of God, you may even come to two worship services. Maybe your, your finances are not living up to what you need to this month. So you'll really worship this morning. You might sit a few rows closer. Maybe God will be a, bit more, a little bit more pleased with me if I worship a little bit more this morning. Let me let you know a little secret. God's already pleased. God's already in love with you. God is already thrilled with your... He wants, he just, his love is just for you and on you, and it's there, and He's saying, Come, my hands are extended to you. He's in, he initiates this dance. He comes to us. We don't have to change. You can't get prettier for God. You can't smell better for God. It's not going to change His love. That's our kind of love. We can't import our kind of love upon God because God is so desirous that you just receive His love. This is true worship because when we realize how His hands are extended to us, irrespective of what we do, there's nothing you want to do but worship. When you realize how He has accepted you and loved you and redeemed you and he's, His desire is to set you free, you want to just stand up and go, God, I love you. Thank you, Thank you for everything you've done for me. We've sung this this morning about it's God that starts it because of His love. He is so good. How do we know that? Because we've experienced it. Not because it's some, something Mary experienced way back there, but because we've experienced it in the here and now. Because I have experienced it in the here and now that God has delivered me and set me free practically. He didn't leave me jobless. He brought me to Minnesota. Whoa. From Houston. Uh, you know, God is incredible, that, His love that He has for us. And God's love produces love in us. You cannot produce this yourself. You cannot produce worship. You can't stir, stir it up. You can't force it. It's only in response. It's only in response that we understand what worship is. And that's what Mary said is because she said, For you have been mindful of the humble state of the servant. Not because she was something great, but because God loved her. Then there is the response. In verse 47, Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She chose to worship her Savior. 
Now, she had a choice. She didn't, God didn't come down and make her worship. She had a choice as to whether or not she was going to worship. She had a choice as to whether or not she was going to enter into this adventure, enter into this dance, let go of the control, and be a part of this God mystery. You see, in our culture, we're taught to avoid mystery unless you're watching a mystery on television. We want to know the facts. And if we don't know the facts, we'll Google it. If you don't know what Google is, go ask your son. He'll Google it for you. See, we have a choice to enter into this mystery, enter into this dance, because God comes and He gives us that freedom. He loves us so much, He's willing to be rejected by us. Wow, that's powerful love. Someone who's not wanting to control us. And He extends His hands to us and invites us into this dance. And Mary got up and began to dance with her Lord. Now I want you to imagine, if you're at a dance, go back to your junior high days and just picture this, and God comes to you and says, will you dance with me? And you say, well, I don't deserve this. And he goes, I know. But will you dance with me? But God, you know, I messed up last, but will you dance with me? But God, I don't know how to dance. Will you dance with me? But God, will you dance with me? But will you dance with me? And we, we finally, it's like, okay, I'll get up. And he extends his arm, and we realize that the left hand, the lead hand, the hand that leads in the dance is Jesus. And we put our hand into Jesus. We're not just putting our hand in his hand, we're putting our hand into Jesus, and Jesus begins to lead us in this dance. And we realize, I don't even have to think about where I'm going. I don't have to figure out the next step because the lead hand, Jesus, is leading me. I realized this as we were going through this time of transition, and I, I filled out all the applications, and I filled out the, I was looking for any kind of job I could get. I was like, I'm not necessarily looking for ministry, I'm just going to just do whatever God you want me to do. And I would fill out applications, and I'd tell Shauna, I'd say, Shauna, I don't feel right about this. I'm doing this, not because I think the Lord's in it, but because I'm supposed to. And the Lord, I just sensed him leading me and saying, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, and I even felt the, the leading that it was going to be, he was going to bring it to me. And I'm like, that just makes no sense in our culture. That God would be that good that I wouldn't have to work for this. That, you know, because I've trained that I've got to do something. I've got to control the dance. I'm going to get up and dance with you, but I can't fully respond. I can't fully enter in because I've got to figure something out here. But I put, when you put your hand into God's hand and, and, Jesus, and into Jesus and he says, I'm leading you. I know where you're going. I've got it ordered. And that's where I go, whew. I just had to, t I had to go through this process of just telling myself over and it's going to be okay. The Lord's in this. Somewhere the Lord's going to redeem me. Somewhere the Lord's going to make this right. Somehow the Lord's going to make a way. And then... You realize after you take the, 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 you put your hand into Jesus that the right hand of God, the Holy Spirit, comes up by your side and not just holds you, but empowers you to dance. Lifts you up in the dance and you look around and go, wow, I'm dancing, but it's not me. 
I'm worshiping, but it's not me. I'm doing something that, oh my goodness, how can I be participating in God like this? This is mysterious. What does this look like? I can't, let me, let me explain it. Well, I know even the best of theologians, they've tried to explain this stuff for 2,000 years. It's a mystery. It's a dance. You can't explain the dance. Smile and enjoy the ride. Now, for those of you of theological mind, you might think, where does he get all this? Hebrews 8, 1 and 2, let's read this. We have such a high priest, that is Jesus. Jesus is the high priest. What is the, what is the job of a high priest? High priests lead people in worship, inter, lead people into the presence of God. Jesus is the great high priest leading us into the presence of God. Jesus, who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. Uh, in other words, he sat down by his father who serves in the sanctuary. That could also be translated as the leader of our worship. In the sanctuary, in, in leading this worship, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Jesus set up the tabernacle in heaven where he's sitting by the Father, worshiping 24-7. In other words, our worship doesn't mean diddly squat. That means something in Texas. It doesn't mean anything. A hill of beans. That also means something in Texas. <laughs> Unless we understand that we're entering into what Jesus is already doing. Because it's Jesus' worship that we're joining into. It's Jesus' worship. It's His way. It's, he's already worshipped. We can't make it happen, in other words. We're just doing what He does. And saying we are following the high priest because it's only His sacrifice that matters. He is the ultimate sacrifice who died and rose again. So we are putting our hand into this worship leader, Jesus. We're saying, Jesus, I'm following your leadership. And we're allowing the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and up, stand us up straight and empower us to worship so that we might dance with Him and enter into this God life. And we are drawn close to the Father by the leading of the Holy Spirit and by the empowering of the Holy uh, by the leading of Jesus and by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. This was Mary's response. This was Mary coming and saying, I'm here. I, I don't have much to offer, but here I am. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. That's all we have. That's all I have is me. And God says, That's enough. That's all he wants. So Mary got up based upon the, the invitation of God and she responded and said, yes, I'll dance with you. And then she started to dance. And we go to the next step of the gaze. In verse 49, we see something. It says, she, she says, For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. What is the gaze? This is where we... Under, begin to understand in the gaze that my plans are no longer valid. My plans have changed. My plans have been thrown away and everything is different. When you start to dance, when you start to enter, when you enter into this thing with God and you get on the dance floor, the rules change. It's His dance, not yours. It's His dance, not mine. 
why do I say this? What, how do I get this out of this verse? Well, it says here that Mary said that God had done great things for her. Now, I want you to take off your 21st century glasses and put on your 1st century glasses. Look at this from the view or the point of view of the 1st century. Here is a young girl, 13 or 14 years old, engaged to be married, comes up pregnant. You would label her as what? An adulterer. How else do you get pregnant before you're married? That's, that was what the culture would have labeled her. And the, son, the child would have been illegitimate. That was the label that would have been put on upon, a, especially a religious culture. She would have been an outcast. Her plans had changed. And, you know, the angel Gabriel didn't come to everybody. They, he only came to her. And then came to Joseph. Everybody wasn't in on the secret. She was no longer the upwardly mobile young girl who was going to be the upstanding housewife. Or if you are a, you know, uh, you know upwardly mobile, uh, you know, ready for the promotion type person. She was not, no one would have promoted her if she had had a job during that time. She was an outcast. She, but God called her blessed. She called, she called her, that God had blessed her. Now, we can see this after 2,000 uh, years of history, how, yes, that is true. God had blessed Mary. But she chose to see this before it became obvious to everybody else. Why? Because she got on the dance floor and looked into the eyes of her lover. She didn't look at her feet. She didn't look at her circumstances. She didn't look at her situation in life. And she didn't listen to everybody else's opinion about her. She had to choose to remain focused on the one who loved her and chose her and set her apart. Because if she hadn't have done that, she would have listened to everyone else. You know, going through a time of transition like our family has, there have been those that, who have prayed for us and, and supported us and loved us through the transition. And uh, there have been others who have not understood why we were doing what we were doing. And then there was this house in Houston that we still own. So if you're looking to move to Houston, we got a house for you. A uh, little commercial there. Uh, and people could have, people even still are saying, well, it's obvious God's not in this because you haven't sold your house. We could listen to that stuff. We could listen to the other people's opinions about our worship and our relationship with God. And we could listen to other, what others think about we come to church so much or we lead a small group or why are you so devoted? Why do you volunteer for that ministry? Why do you do this? Why do you give yourself to God that much? Don't you know you need to be earning more money? And you say, well, you know, we need, you could quote scriptures about storing up treasures in heaven or whatever, but I'm like, nothing, nothing will motivate you to serve God like love. Nothing will motivate you to serve and worship your God like the realization that God loves you. Oh, man. If you could just have a glimpse of the passion that God has for you, your life would change in a moment. You would say, forget it all, I quit. I'm not living this life like that anymore. I'm, I'm not fighting for this. I, I'm, I'm going to 
do something different. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do something different. I'm going to get on the adventure. I'm going to start dancing. I'm going to do something that's risky. I, I wish I could come to you and say that was my motivation, but God kind of stirred it up within me. He stirred up my circumstances and, and began to show me, you've been stuck in a rut. You thought you knew your plans. You made your plans, but I'm ordering your steps. Now, I'm not saying making plans is bad or, you know, we do need to have order in our lives, but I'm just saying I was trying to manipulate and control life. And it only led to frustration and even anger. And God is just saying, just relax and gaze into my eyes and let's dance. Let's dance. We're going on an adventure. And you cannot predict the outcome. You cannot predict the outcome. We have a choice. We can refuse to relax and step with Him. And that leads to more control. And eventually, as we start to control the dance... We're pulling our hand out of the hand of Jesus. We can't dance with him unless we dance on his terms. It's his dance. You know, I realized something as I've gone through this transition with my family. I realized that I am not the central character of God's story. <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. My dance partner is. The awesome thing about this is we get to participate in it. We're little bitty people and we have a big part in his kingdom. We're not big people who have a big part. Because of his grace, he turns our little bitty nature into something big. That's really cool. When you join the dance and you get on the floor, life changes. My plans changed. I was, uh, during this time, this was about, uh, oh, I don't even remember what date it was. It's all kind of mumbled together about six months ago, and I resigned. I, I didn't have a job. My plan was, to, you know, thinking, okay, God, lead me to a job, then I'll resign. That makes sense. Now, if you send any of your children, or you come to me uh, and, uh, to get counsel about what you should do about your job that you don't like, I'm not going to tell you to resign. Don't, I wouldn't tell anybody to do what I did. Well, I just, I just knew that I had to do it. And it was being risky. And talked to Shauna about it, and she said, oh, you know, I trust you hear God. And I'm like, whew, I hope this is God. <laughs> and it, I went, and I, I shared it with my pastor, and, and um, he's, you know, he, he's, he said, okay. And I thought, well, something will come quickly. Well, it didn't come quickly. You know, I'm sitting here, a brand new house, two children, only provider. I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I looked for jobs. I mean, I couldn't even get retail stores to call me back. Not there's, you know, I mean, I couldn't get this most simple job there is. I, no one would call me back. And I'm like, I, I was pretty humbling. I thought I had a decent resume. And then Kevin Johnson, the former... Uh, community pastor here called me he's a friend of mine i've been working with the church here the last couple of years and just developed a relationship with him and the other leaders here and he said uh, i'm feeling the leading to go take this pastorate in the netherlands you ought to consider 
this position because I'm recommending you. And I'm like, that's great, but you don't understand something. It's north of the Mason-Dixon line. It's cold up there. <laughs> it's not just cold. It's cold. We don't even own coats, much less parkas. I mean, why do you need a coat in Houston? I mean, you just don't need it. Now, raincoat, yeah. But, uh, so, uh, you know, we prayed about it, and we thought, well, be flattered, but that's not, you know, be honored, but you know, that, that's not going to happen. And then a, a week or so later, Kevin said, I, can I give your name to Greg Boyd? And I'm like, you can give it to him. But we don't necessarily feel that's what God's saying to do. And uh, that day, Greg called. And I, I, when the phone was ringing, I said, in my heart, I said, if this is Greg, we probably need to consider this. Well, it was Greg. And we considered it, and he, he called back and said, well, it's going to take a while to, to do this. We, it, we go through a due process here, and it'll be a few weeks. I'm going to London on a trip, and so it'll be a, a, at least a month, maybe a little longer before we can bring you up. So I said, okay, I'm going to just try to find an interim job, short-term job, to, before committing. I can't commit to a long-term job if this is a possibility, because this was, I wanted to come up here two years ago. Uh, not because it's in Minnesota, but because I fell in love with this church. Um, and then uh, he, so I, I, so I expected a, you know, a phone call to set up the trip a few weeks later. Two or three days later, Annie Purdue Olson calls and says, can you come this weekend? I'm like, oh, that's a little faster than expected. But I was like, yeah, we can. I mean, I'm jobless, so I mean, who do I need to ask? So we, 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 we came up, and, and we thought, this is just too good of a fit. And Shauna, at first, was uh, doing it because she loved me and thought, I, Scott will love this job and loves this church. And, uh, you know, you have to understand, her parents live in the same neighborhood where our house is in Houston. Grandparents right there. My parents live in Dallas. So, I mean, it's like our plans were in Texas. Our control was about being there. And she said, you know, I, I, I'll go up there for you, but I promise to be honest with you. If I don't sense that God's in this, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And I promise to be honest with her about how excited I was about the possibility. And we came up here, and over the next few days, as we met with the team, she said, is it possible for me to feel more at home here than I do in Houston? You know, for God to bring us into unity. Because there's no way we're going to come up here, me wanting to, her not. For God to bring us into unity about being in a place like this and, being, and moving and uprooting our family. I had to have that before I'd ever make a major change like this. We were gazing into the eyes of Jesus and it didn't work out like we planned it to work out. We could have never orchestrated God's dance because there were too many intricacies, too many things that needed to happen. You can't make God's blessing happen. And in the midst of these changes of plans, there, are, there is the culture that says, why are you doing that? Challenging it. Even good-natured people, people who mean well for you, will come and challenge, why are you, why are you doing this? 
And that's where your gaze has to be all the more focused on Jesus Christ. You know, even the best of people will challenge you. I, I met, uh, I went to, worked with this church in Tennessee, and there was a, a young man of 17 who was this incredible athlete. Played basketball and baseball. He's about 6'6", and he was just, you know, star potential. He went away on a uh, summer camp and came back from the camp just fired up with God. He was just so full of God and just the dance of God and ready to go on a new adventure. And he came back and told his parents, he said, I want to lead a small group Bible study at my church, I mean, at my my school. But if I'm going to do this and do it right, I don't have time to play basketball and baseball. I'm going to quit basketball. And you would think a a couple of parents who are leaders in the church, good parents, they would be, oh, we're going to support you. And they were, no, they were nowhere close to that. They were up in arms, frustrated and angry with him. How dare you? How can you do this? God has given you these gifts. Don't you know that he can use them for the kingdom? They even called an elder in, of the church, and they shared this problem with the elder, and the elder was like, you can't let him do that. In other words, he's doing something too risky. How can he fall in love with God that much? He needs to be more like me. We don't live our lives for other people. We have to keep our gaze focused on our Jesus. The last thing that Mary realized in this dance, in this adventure, as she was on the floor dancing with her God, is the union She got caught up in a kingdom movement. Caught up in a a kingdom movement. What what do I mean by this? Read verses 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. You know, I said earlier that one of the things that the Lord had really revealed to me through this change that we've been going through as a family is that I'm not the main character in God's story. And not only am I not the main character, I'm not the only character. I'm part of something that's huge. You know, me coming up here is not just for, it's not for us. It's for the kingdom. It's for this church. It's for one another. Because it's not just about me and God, or me and my family. It's about us and God. Because see, What I do in my dance with God impacts you, even though I don't know you that well. You know, wait a second. Doesn't my relation, you know, I have this silo relationship with God. It's just me and it goes up into the heavens. And I, you know, just me and God. And God says, no. It's about us and God. Because your dance impacts my dance. And if you're not on the floor dancing with God, gazing into his eyes, it impacts my ability to dance. And you say, well, I'm gone, to pre- gone from preaching to meddling now. <laughs> but that's the truth. Because we're all part of this. We're in this together. We're in this together to, to live this dance together. And the way we will learn to dance is as we dance together. We cannot just dance by ourselves. You get caught up in the dance by yourself, you get narcissistic and ingrown, and it all becomes about you or me. But when you're in this with one another, you realize 
This love, of the God, the, this love that God has for me is so huge. He has just as much love for you. That doesn't make sense to me. It's a mystery. How he can dance with me and be intimate with me while being, intim- being intimate with you at the same time. What kind of God is this? Let me tell you, he's an uncontrollable, untamable God. He has that kind of love and that kind of power to do that. I realized after the birth of our first son, who's two years old now, Declan, uh, he was not sleeping. Well, he was a baby. He was a baby, so of course. And I was, I was up with him, and I was getting hardly any sleep, but I wasn't bothered by it that much. And it brought new meaning to the passage that says, God never sleeps or never slumbers. And I thought, I always thought that was about God's power. And I realized, no, it's about God's love. God never sleeps or never slumbers because he's love, and so in love with us. His passion is so for us, he wants to be in relationship with us 24-7. In this dance, as Mary realized that it's about the kingdom, it's about Israel, it's about more than her, she, she, we realize that we're learning to dance together. Now, you may be new to this worship thing. You may be new to this relationship with God thing. You may, you may not consider yourself a God adventurer. You've played it safe, and you think, well, that's for those people who sit on the first five rows. You know, they like to, you know, really worship, but I sit back a little further. I'm a little more reserved, a little more shy. I, I don't do that. Balderdash. We can dance wherever. We can dance with God wherever. It doesn't have to, you know, I, I worship back there before the service. I mean, during the worship. It doesn't matter about our place in the building. It matters about our heart and about our ability to hear, receive God. It doesn't matter how you respond or what you do. Some may be more expressive than others. That's true. But it's a matter of giving our heart to the Lord and learning to dance with Him. Because the only place, the only way that you learn to dance is by getting on the floor and dancing. The only way to get on an adventure and learn how to learn to be an adventurer is to do it. You can't read a book about this and go, now I'm a worshiper. No, you just know about worship. You can't read a book about hiking and go, okay, I'm a hiker now. No, you're not. You're just knowledgeable about how you just read a book. You can quote all the scriptures that you want to, but until you get up and get on the adventure with God and let Him lead you, you're just knowledge. Now, I'm not against knowledge. I, I think you need to know and you need to understand. Don't hear me say that, but if knowledge doesn't lead to the adventure, what good is it? We learn together. And this is where covenant groups come in you know i had to bring that up i mean i am the community pastor here i mean bilbo baggins was this scaredy cat he didn't go on adventures the the, the book tells us but he went on this adventure and became the hero of the story even reluctantly why because 13 people came around him and took him on an adventure if you want to become an adventurer hang out with other adventurers Hang out with people who know how to worship, how to pray. When I got saved, I learned to pray because I hung out with Quan Hong and Peter Sukonic and Scott Gresset. 
Those guys taught me how to pray. They taught me how to worship. I didn't learn how to live this God life by myself, and you won't either. And this is where we, we want to learn together in our covenant groups, and we can help you get plugged into one and find a place where you would belong and feel safe because we're all novices in this. There are no experts. There are people who've had some experiences, but as soon as you rely on yesterday's experience, you're stuck in a rut. You're no longer on the adventure because you don't know what's around the corner. Only God does. And if you want to stay in the God dance, you've got to let go of yesterday. I have to let go of yesterday. And if you're sitting there thinking, wow, I need to get on this adventure, I'd really like to have some prayer about that right now. There are some people here at the front after, the, after we close who will be glad to pray with you. And if you're sitting there thinking, you know, this sounds rather attractive, this God dance thing, but I don't, I've never done this. I don't know about this. This is kind of my first exploration into this. I need to talk to someone. Well, there'll be some people over here at the, the next steps table, and they'll be glad to share with you uh, how to get in on this God life and how to get involved in this dance and get on the adventure with God. Let's pray right now that the Lord will open our eyes to see His love and His desire to dance with us. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we might dance. Empower us to be the people that are about the kingdom work, being your body on this world, and um, living your life with you. Thank you, God, that you love us so much that you're already doing it, and we don't have to stir it up and make it happen. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Be blessed. God bless you.